Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever-pleasing in your sight. You are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Feeling myself in sermon purgatory this week, that place where all preachers go when they don't have any good ideas and they're running out of time, I found myself staring blankly out at some weeds in the yard, hoping for a bird to smash into my window with a word from the Lord. I did notice a big bumblebee dancing on the head of one of the flower flower bulbs right outside the window, and the idea came to me. I remember reading as a kid that when bees felt overwhelmed by strong winds, they would pick up tiny little pebbles to carry as a way to gain weight and not be totally blown away. So I began thinking about adding weight to our being, and I think about that weight as hope, that thing that grounds us, that keeps us from getting blown away. For in hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? We don't know the specifics of the situation in which First Church Rome found itself, but we can easily read between the lines and know that their circumstances were not pleasant. They believed that Christ was risen from the dead, that he was Lord of all, and yet here they were, this little piddling enclave in an outpost of the empire without power or influence as far as they could tell. They'd been told that Christ would return again to rule with power and might. But where was he? They'd been told that the good news of Jesus Christ was the truth about the world and its future. But why weren't others being attracted to this truth? Paul had preached to them and they had believed that Christ was the way to life. Why then had so many of them died? For in hope. We were saved, he writes. Hope never has been as popular as its siblings, faith and love. Catholics, and this is a massive oversimplification, but Catholics emphasize love. Protestants, faith. Both are good, but it leaves hope orphaned. Hope is number 231 of most popular baby names. Though that sounds pretty low, it is, you'll be glad to know, up 4% this year, at least according to Nameberry.com. But the website agrees. Hope has never been as popular as grace and faith. I've only known one person in my life named Hope, Hope was in a family of three. The three children's names were Faith, Hope, and Billy. It's a true story. (laughs) Google has this function that if you type in a word, you can see its usage in every book that's been published, the archives going back to the year 1800. Hope has been in a steady decline since then. It hasn't totally plummeted but its future doesn't look promising. 
And of course, 2020 might be the year it's used the least. 140,000 American lives lost to COVID, a racial crisis, a fragile economy, the deaths of despair, now a phrase in the public health world, climbing year upon year. Why is it, though, that Paul says that we were saved not by faith nor by love, but by hope? You may know Vaclav Havel, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Vaclav Havel, the, the dissident, the playwright, the humanitarian. He ended up being the first president of the Czech Republic. Havel became the face of the 1989 Eastern European Democratic Revolutions. It was Havel, the dissident, absurdist playwright, who repeatedly confronted the Kremlin's stooges in Czechoslovakia. Even as this landed him in prison, he spent a large part of the 80s behind bars. And it was Havel the statesman who led the people of his country from the 1989 Velvet Revolution to democracy. Havel's struggles were poised between frustration and hope, bondage and liberation. His leadership fired by the freedom Paul says all of creation longs for. His autobiography called Disturbing the Peace is a long reflection on the hope that sustained him as he, in his own words, hit against the castle wall of the USSR. Hope is not prognostication, he writes. It is an orientation of the spirit, an orientation of the heart. He continues, hope in this deep and powerful sense is not the same as joy that things are going well or willingness to invest in enterprises that are obviously headed for early success, but rather an ability to work for something because it is good, not just because it stands a chance to succeed. The more unpromising the situation in which we demonstrate hope, the deeper that hope is. Hope is not the same thing as optimism, he says. It is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense, regardless of how it turns out. Havel says that hope has no certainty of success. Rather, it's the acknowledgement that some things are right and true and good, and beautiful as ends in themselves. And for Havel, which I don't suppose is a million miles from St. Paul in Romans 8, hope frees one from having to be successful all the time. Hope frees you from having to win all the time. Hope frees one from having it all together. Instead, God is working resurrection in all things which allows us, his children, to worry less about results. Just give yourself to what your heart knows is good and true. I remember a parishioner back in Pittsburgh walking into my office one weekday, um, quite sunburned and sweating, a little bit out of breath. She had just been out canvassing the neighborhood for a third-party candidate in the local state representative race. I asked her, so what do you think his chances are anyways? 
she said, not good. He has less than a 1% chance of winning. Well, then why the heck are you canvassing? She said, well, my neighbor, so I've discovered, has a neurodiverse child, and the family can't afford the private school where he would get more hands-on attention. I'm canvassing for the only candidate who wants to increase spending at the middle school. This seemed like a good use of my time. She was a lady of tremendous hope. Not success, but a kind of stubborn love. And so, as it feels like we are in the 37th year of COVID, come back to those bees steadying themselves against the wind. What are those pebbles that you carry to remind you that the wind of the present isn't the only reality? What grounds you? What keeps you rooted in goodness? What will anchor you this next week? This doesn't have to be elaborate. These are small, tiny pebbles. Sometimes others can't even see them. Maybe it's cooking and letting the smell of oil and garlic and steam flood your senses. Maybe it's the simple practice of meditation and centeredness. For some, it's just feeling your breath expand and you feel that sense of hope and trust in the goodness of your life. Maybe it's a call to a friend on a walk, a playlist, a podcast, a prayer, a protest. What are the pebbles that ground you? Is it the wind on your face as you bike the roads or the crickets and the frogs shouting their immodest alleluias at sundown? Anchor your hope in God's creation, groaning in its longing, and in your hope, a new love will be born. And this love, this love will raise you up. Amen.